0: Welcome to the Modern Woodworkers Association podcast, where our mission is to provide woodworking education for all levels and all types of woodworkers. To find out more about the Modern Woodworkers Association, visit us on the web at modernwoodworkersassociation.com or follow us on Twitter at NWA underscore national. Now to our hosts, Tom Iovino, Diami Palatki,
1: and Sean Wisniewski.
2: Hello, everyone. Now, welcome to this, the 84th edition of the Modern Woodworkers Association online discussion about all things woodworking. Today's special guest is Todd Clippinger. But before we get to Todd, I want to introduce two very important people. The first one is my partner in crime, Deami Palaki from sunny Long Island, New York. Deami, how are you doing? I'm doing uh, I'm a little morose, Tom. Morose? Yeah. Would you say you were more... Morose, taciturn, or more morose, like sad, is it? Well, lacrimonious I'm going
1: to go for my personal favorite, taciturn.
2: Taciturn, I like yeah. that. Okay, a little pensive, I look, I look pensive, I like con- contemplative. English no, majors I know. <laughs> Isn't it terrible?
1: Hey, I only minored in English.
2: <laughs> yeah, oh, okay. I was a, I was the full out major, so I have to every so often break out the dictionary and come up with a few <laughs> few words that aren't aren't normally thrown around.
1: No, but I'm okay.
2: Nice, Sean. Yes, Sean. sir. Well, Sean Wasniewski. First of all, how the heck have you been?
0: I've been good. It's been a long time, and um, I'm I'm struggling with the fact that I'm going to be filling some very very large shoes.
2: Oh, you're going to be going to the clown convention, I hear.
0: Yes, I am. <laughs> My mom never let me go to clown college. I'm going to do well, it myself. There we
2: go. I, I can I can understand. You know, they I heard they have some pretty good financial aid packages.
0: <laughs> so if you go
2: to the clown college and fill the giant shoes. It's definitely where you want to be. There you
0: go. So
2: so let's talk about what's going on in shops. Diami, tell me you bought another planer. Tell me you bought another joiner. Tell me you bought something big.
1: I uh, I actually came close to buying a table saw. But...
2: I knew it. I just knew it. <laughs>
1: You could, you could just feel it out in the ether, couldn't you?
2: I could, I could feel that there was big steel headed your way.
1: Uh, but no, I did not because um, I realized that uh, though a good deal for what it was, it was still more than I have budgeted for equipment now. So I've spent my time in the shop actually not buying new tools, but fixing tools. I Ooh. was, yeah, I was, I've been complaining for the last few episodes about how all the plywood from the window seat has been just sitting on my table saw since I finished the window seat. Yeah. So I went to put it away, which in my shop means taking the narrow plywood strips and setting them up vertically, tucking them kind of between the wall and the track for the garage door, uh which is on the wall right in right next to my uh my planer. Okay. So I put a couple of these sheets of plywood right there. They were basically touching the bottom of the planer at their base, and I was moving stuff around the following day and I noticed the bottom of the plywood was all greasy. So I'm looking around, I pull the planer out and I realize that the gearbox on the planer was leaking. Oh no. Um, so I've got a big grizzly 15 inch, uh, planer. You know, it's a big, big piece of station equipment. It's not a lunchbox. Um, yeah. And I found that the grease was all down the side and I took it all apart. I, I found this out on like a Tuesday and I didn't get to actually monkey with it until Saturday or Sunday. So I spent the week looking through the owner's manual and figuring out exactly what I was going to do and running down the right oil and everything. And, uh, all said and done, what I found was the gearbox is, I guess it's cast, and the, it's a basically a tub with a plate that gets screwed onto it with a gasket around the side. And it cracked? No, thank God it didn't. Um, but there's four bolts that hold the face on, and they were all loose. I had anywhere from a quarter to a half turn on all of them, and it wasn't even stiff, and I could fight it a little bit tighter. It was literally loose, and I could get an, that – quarter to half a turn before it snugged up and got tight. So I had the oil dripping out of the gasket at the bottom of it. So the first thing I did once I, I had to pull some pieces apart to reach these screws and realize they were loose. So once I tightened them up, I then drained the gearbox and I found that I pulled 12 ounces of oil out of it. Of course, nowhere in the Grizzly manual does it tell you how much oil the gearbox is supposed to have. Uh, okay. Um, so I took 12 ounces out and then I had to use a plastic tube and a funnel to get the oil back in because the fill slot is tucked behind the adjustment wheel. And it's a, it's a pain in the ass to, to do this thing, but
2: you really, you really like the message. <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah. Well, you know what I don't <laughs> like is having to go out and buy a new joiner. <laughs> so I was willing to invest some time in this. Um, and what I found was that the joiner took 16, o- 16 ounces of oil to go in and fill it. So wow. I was, I was four ounces out. I don't think I was out for that long. Cause I didn't notice the stain until very recently. And I frankly, I didn't use the joiner in the window seat. So it's been a while since it's run. So I think mm-hmm. I'm, I hope I'm okay. Um, but I got it all put together. I managed to spill oil all over the cutter head. Uh, of course was, you did. That was nice. Yeah.
2: Um so, well lubricated now.
1: Yeah, exactly. Exactly. You know, I want my wood to go through nice and easy. Nothing like 80 90 gear, <laughs> gearbox oil to, to send them the Um But I took a scrap when I was all done, I ran it through until it stopped coming out with oil stains. So I think my cutter head is clean now, or at least I wiped nice. all the oil off of it. Um, so it's uh, it should be uh, in good shape, and maybe even this weekend I'll get some wood through it. Uh, I got to get into my next project. I just committed to a January deadline of the uh, of the arcade box that I started in like September.
2: Nice, I like that. At least you're giving yourself those deadlines. I yeah, like that.
1: yeah. So that's that's what's going on in my shop. How about you, Tom?
2: Well, how about Sean? Let's figure out what's going on. It's been a while since we talked about you, Sean. What's going on in your shop?
0: Not a whole lot. Uh, This is the second, unfortunately, second year that I'm not making anything for Christmas gifts, which is usually, uh, sadly, the the main bit of my woodworking. But um, this year has just gotten away from me. But what I did do today was I cut a Christmas tree down, which I love doing. It was super late in the year. We usually don't wait this long, but I rushed after work the day before the sun went down. Went out and found a tree with my kids, cut it down. It's standing up. It's all lit. They're actually decorating it right now. Um, yeah, you know,
2: that does count as woodworking.
0: I know, I know. I used a bow saw, and you see, there you go. You know, and Frank Claus would have been pla
2: would have been proud.
0: Yeah, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> Not my good bow saw. That that's on the bench behind me here. But uh, gotcha. That um. But otherwise, no, sadly, uh, not, not a whole lot. I got to, you know, I'm a brilliant <laughs> woodworker in my head, <laughs>
1: yeah. Oh wow. the ideas,
0: man, the ideas, they're, they're so plentiful and productive and just got to get those into, into the actual real world.
2: Yeah. Best of luck with that. Yeah. Thanks. <laughs> yeah. Seriously. So, so Todd, I know we're going to be inter- interviewing you later, but, but can you give us yeah. a quick, like, you know, like look, snapshot of what's going on in your shop right now.
3: Yeah. I, um, I'm finishing up. Well, no, I'm not finishing them up. I just finished up a project, had to squeeze in for uh, a contractor friend of mine came to me the other day and he needed some shelves for uh, built-ins. And then, uh, I made him the shelves and we went to install them and the uh, space was a rack. So we had to come back down to the shop and make some cabinets um, uh, he thought he was just going to use the back wall. And, uh, I said, we got to get control of this space. So we came down to the shop last night and worked late, built some, uh, cabinetry, uh, for the built-ins and, uh, I'm getting back on some, uh, antique clock cases. Ooh. Uh, there's, there's a collector here in town, um, that, uh, I know very well. I've done a lot of work for him over the years and, um, he, he's got a couple clock cases, uh, that he wanted built so i designed i came up with a design and um we're moving forward on those i got to get two of them done for christmas and um uh then he's going to have me build two of them um just for his own personal collection so now,
1: todd when you that, say an antique clock
3: <clears throat> yeah he's
1: got the the clock face and the and the gearing behind it and you're completely mounting it or there's yeah a-
3: well, this, these are called gravity clocks. And actually, okay. if, you, if you've looked on my Instagram, I should get a good picture and post it. It, uh, it has a, a, bar that has like saw teeth on it. And the, um, there's a gear inside the clock and the clock is round and maybe like an inch and a half thick and maybe three inches round in diameter. And, uh, it slides down that sawtooth bar and, um, uh basically that it captures the kinetic energy and it, it that's Whoa. what turns the clock gears. Okay. So yeah, and it's like this one's from 1930 and he's got he's he has the most fascinating collection of clocks and this year this summer earlier I had built some uh, modern uh floating shelves uh for his living room to display a bunch of them and we had to have uh um metal framework welded up to <laughs> for my uh for my wood to slide over for the shelves to slide over because I mean these clocks weigh hundreds of pounds. Oh, uh, wow. Some, you it. know, collectively there's 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 hundreds of pounds there. And so you it's You don't both... like to
2: mess around, do you? You just like to go
3: right <laughs> for it, don't Man, you? you? You know, liability. That that was one of the things that made me feel really vulnerable to liability. And I'm like, you know, we gotta have something welded up here. So <laughs> well, before we move before, on, let me ask understood. you one
1: last question about the clocks.
3: Yeah. You, the floating shelves,
1: I think I remember them, although you, if I'm not mistaken, you make a lot of shelves, so I yeah, might I not have the right shelves in my head, but floating shelves are typically a relatively modern, clean design. Yes. With the, the custom boxes you're making for these clocks, if they're antique clocks I'm assuming they weren't originally a modern design. Are you going for an antique kind of design that would have been period appropriate? Or are you going for something modern? What do you, what kind of design do you incorporate into the box for the clocks?
3: Well, the clocks, I think the clocks that I have are they're German and they're like from 1930. but the face on them goes well kind of with western architecture and and the and and, and so the clock case that I'm doing, by the way that it has a, a cove molding and it's a little bit more elliptical it it kind of has this western feel. and so the clock case looks looks very appropriate with the style of the clock. The shelves, were modern but they just disple- they were just display shelves and they go with the house and the house is kind of um, mid-century modern and uh but the clocks are all over them you know that they- he's got some pretty ancient stuff and and it's it just really neat collection but uh it-, it all goes it all ties together at his house i mean he's got the- this modern house you know mid-century modern house and modern look but with all these old clocks so nice excellent but this is my last paying project. <laughs> First, okay. <laughs> and I've, I've been turned. I've turned all my work down and, and moving on.
2: Ooh, ooh, we're going oh. We're going We'll we're get to that things.
3: in just a minute.
1: Yeah. Tom, what is in your shop?
2: What is you, in my shop right of now? You've heard this
1: question before. Yeah. What's in your shop now?
2: Currently, currently in my shop right now, there are boxes and boxes of Christmas decorations. Um, you know, that, that, that have to be, uh, uh, put up. Um, there's, there's a pile of lumber. I still have to sort through. Um, you know, there, there's, there's tools that are covered under stuff right now. And, and there's a reason why that's the case. And it's just that, you know, I found myself in a position right now where just, I'm not getting enough time. And because of that, there's a, post that piqued our interest (laughs) mine was certainly piqued.
1: i found it over at tomsworkbench.com
2: yeah over at tomsworkbench.com um for for the foreseeable future uh the the big announcement is that um i will be putting tom's workbench on a hiatus um this was not entered into easily um after after eight years of doing has it been that long
0: wow Wow. You are old. <laughs> and so is your blog.
2: doing this, uh, <laughs> 1580 posts. Um, I've decided that, you know, meeting the the three or four posts a week, you know, self-imposed deadline I put on myself and, and then doing this and all that other stuff. It just was getting to the point where it's just too darn much. And you know, if if I'm going to be a woodworker instead of sitting there and writing about stuff that I don't do anymore, <laughs> I am, um, I'm, 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 I'm going to be taking time to, to do woodworking again. Um, you know, I, I cannot thank everybody enough for support I've gotten all these years. Um, you know, whether it was over at Tom's workbench or, or with Mark over at the, uh, over at his site and would talk online, or if it was here, um, it, you guys have always made me feel welcome. Um, you guys have always made me feel like a, like a, like a really special part of something big and I, I can't thank you enough. And it's just, I'm at a point now where I got to take a little time off, got to kind of get things in order, got to kind of, you know, kind of, you know, spend a little time, you know, my, my son graduates, uh, high school, uh, this year coming up. And, uh, it's funny just before we came on, we were talking about the movies we hadn't seen yet together. Uh, before he goes off to college and you know i want to make sure that i get that time with him just to um uh, you know just to uh you know spend time and at the, end, not,
1: at the end of the day uh, it's just a piece of wood
2: yeah uh, you know it, it's it, it's been a blast it's been a rush it's been a whole lot of fun but you know when it comes down to it it's it's you know i've gotta i gotta put you know the emphasis on the right syllable <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> so, you know, it's the kind of thing where I got, I got to think about where the priorities lie. Well, and if that, uh, and if that's, if that means that Tom's workbench goes in a temporary hiatus, then that means Tom's workbench is on temporary or, or semi-permanent or permanent hiatus, depending on how well things go.
1: Let me just say, Tom, that since we met at woodworking America, 2009, I believe in Valley forge. Yeah. Um, and At the time, I don't know that I had any online presence or, you know, any presence at all in any woodworking community. And even then, you were nothing but welcoming. And I think that has been – you've been nothing but a fantastic ambassador uh, for the online woodworking community to everyone. Um, And I think for the entire community, just thank you for all that you've done for woodworking. um, And uh, just wish you the best in – going on i don't expect to stop talking to you and uh, i expect oh, to know no. what's going on in your life that's that said, that said yeah. um you know uh i'd also don't expect to be reading four posts a week from you anymore so um <laughs> i <laughs> just you know it, i don't think anyone well if anyone does fault you for this they're an idiot but um no one should be faulting you for for giving more time to your life and your family and your kids and your wife and like i said like i interrupted you with at the end of the day it's just a board um yeah the minute it becomes a chore, why would you do it? So,
2: yeah, I mean, you know, you're, uh, you're it's doing what you to, need
1: to for for many different funny, things. And,
2: it's funny. For so many years, I told people I do this instead of golf. <laughs> yeah. <You know? laughs> and, and, you know, it, 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 it became sort of a, a, a you know, a vocation as opposed to my avocation. And I want to get back to having it as my avocation again, where I go to get away from the stress of meeting the deadlines i mean i'm 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 in a pretty tough job as it is you know and so a lot of demands on my time when i'm when i'm you know in the eight to five and sometimes six and sometimes seven and sometimes eight um you know so this is the kind of thing i want to come to so i can you know escape from that you know to to get away from that stress but to also have the freedom to not be here and to spend time, you know, with the folks in the inside, uh, you know, my wife, my, my son. So when I need to, I can do that. So that's the decision why I made it. And, you know, I, I, I fully expect to be in touch with everybody throughout this. So that'll, that'll be what happens.
1: I don't want to dwell on this for too long. You've got the post. We all love you. But we're going to try to just have a good show tonight. Um, of course we are. Before we move on, though, just one thing. Um, if you start turning into making, you know, like leather wristbands and decorative <laughs> ornaments, <laughs> I want the first one. Okay, I want the first one.
2: <laughs> uh, I'll, I'll look into that, Tommy. I'll All right. look into that. If All right, then. Tom's leather workbench. I'll be, uh, I'll be, I'll be sure to send you the first, you know, the first decorative wallet.
1: <laughs> with that, let's let's move on. Sure. So, Sean. Yes, sir. Uh, beyond Tom's goodbye post. What, what piqued your interest on the internet?
0: So a couple things. Uh, Mark, you know, we all know him. We all love him. Mark the Wood Whisperer. Um, he's been putting out a couple things. Actually, uh, he just put out a video that I've not seen this type from him recently where he, um, he answered a question, I guess. I mean, I'm sure he gets zillions of questions, but I've never seen him, that, to my knowledge, directly address one. And uh, he, you know, somebody made one of his cutting boards and, and they were, you know, asking why it cracked. And so he went through a couple of things about that. But the funniest thing about the whole video, if you haven't seen it, he, I know he had problems recording because it's similar to me. So even the pros do it. Uh, he didn't have sound for one of the times that he was recording in his shop. So he went back and put his own sound effects <laughs> on his tools. <laughs> Absolutely hilarious. And, I have I mean,
3: not- when did he post this?
0: It, I think just in the last couple of days. And it, oh, Really? It's, it's it's like the first few minutes. He's like, before I get into it, you got to you know, you, you, there's something wrong with my tools, and it's like, vooot, vooot, vooot. You know, it's just, <laughs> sound effects are fantastic. But otherwise, um, he he's got a limited uh, limited edition shirt out, and who doesn't love good bad wood <laughs> humor on shirts?
3: Hmm. Uh,
0: and it, it's artwork. actually the, the artist that did some of the uh, some of the stuff on his finishing book. His name is Scott Johnson. He's a, a guy I listen to his podcast all the time. Um, he's they've gone gone together and they're making a shirt that's got one of Scott's images on it and the phrase that from Mark's book that I love the smell of shellac in the morning or polyurethane, one of the two. I and
3: we it's uh, a shirt.
0: Yeah, and I uh, know, yeah, that's uh that is just funny stuff. Who doesn't love that kind of stuff? I'm, I <laughs> love to annoy my family by wearing woodworking shirts. <laughs> And, uh, and, uh, the other thing is Diami, I've noticed you putting out a couple rapid fire videos, rapid fire, more in their speed than, than I guess maybe their production. But, um, it, what? it's, uh, and you like, the, you did the oil change for, for your, your planer and that was, um, it's cool to see, you know, yeah. it's, it, you know, it's a way of, um, you know, you know, that sped up thing, you know, I know Jimmy Duresta does it in a lot of his videos and, um, you know it's it's maybe not for everybody but it's it's cool to see a process in fast forward sometimes well thanks um and, it's and your your skateboard too i i totally have to get that book so i can make something oh it
1: it's a it's a fantastic book and for you or, or the uh, for tom's mom you know in listening i'm sure uh, she bought seriously? the book when we interviewed uh matt but if anyone hasn't listened to that interview, We interviewed uh, Matt Berger, who wrote the skateboard book. Uh, I'm blanking. It's okay.
2: My mom's told all of her neighbors. Okay. (laughs)
1: Good. (laughs) Um, I'm blanking on the actual name of Matt's books. It's something this. The handmade skateboard, I think, is the name of the book. But Matt Berger uh, is the author, and I am. I've never been a skater, but having read the book, it is a fantastic book. And as a woodworker, you read it, and you're going to want to make a skateboard. And that skateboard I made was the most fun I've had making something in in a while. Uh, It was a very fun project. So, um,
0: Yeah, super cool.
1: Yeah, and I'll I'll tell you, you're talking about the quick videos. What they are is simple time-lapse. I have the Re camera, which is this really weird little camera that HTC uh, makes, and it connects to the phone, and you can control it from the phone, and it has a time-lapse mode. So I just set it on time-lapse, and I go to work. Um, And I kind of like the effect of it in that it takes, you know, that was a couple – that was hours of skateboard making that condensed down to like a three and a half minute video. You,
3: you know, know. I, I forgot you had that camera. Is that what you yeah. use most of the time now?
1: Um, No. In fact, I really only use it for the time lapse. Oh, OK. Um, I I got it because I was really intrigued by it. And the fact that you use your phone as a viewfinder, I right. found I thought it was pretty neat. <clears throat> um, yeah. But in practice, what I found is. I hate using it without the phone because they talk about how you can hold it in your hand and it's so easy to snap off tons of pictures and it is, but I, I'm not comfortable taking pictures without a viewfinder. So if you're going to pull the phone out, you might as well take a picture with the phone. Right. Sure. Um, so that being said, I, it normally lives on top of my bandsaw in the shop. And when I remember to, I just connect to the phone and I set it up to take the time lapse. Um, so that's really all I'm doing with it. But Really, the reason I'm releasing the time-lapse is because they're so easy to edit. There is no edit. <laughs> it's just It's just the time-lapse, and I put a beginning and an end on it, and I put it out. So you would made a comment, Sean, about how they, were, they might be quick to produce, and they are incredibly quick to produce. And I think they, they, they're kind of interesting. And if anybody has questions watching them, let me know what the question is, and I'll go into it. But I'm not shooting the videos really to explain how to make a, a, a skateboard or how to change the wheel on a plane or just kind of to show the process. Right. Yeah, they, it's pure, they, it's they,
3: more pure entertainment.
1: Yeah. Yes,
0: yeah, it's, it's the fly-on-the-wall thing. You just it, yeah, sit and watch it go by exactly
3: <clears throat> so you know so. it's funny, there's a lot of value in those, I think they you know they they energize the community so the viewers so much I you think know so. pe- people are t- entertained by them and and I think it energizes them to and hopefully motivates them to 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 action, calls them to action to go out and you know uh to go out and actually do something but uh um I think there's a lot of value in those videos, yep
1: and. I agree with you, Todd. And to use the skateboard as an example, I think that there's, you know, the the value is taking this build that, you know, it's it's a bent lamination, and it's the first time I've ever done a bent lamination, and I'm sure for many people who are following the book and and building a skateboard, it's going to be their first bent lamination. And again, watching you know hours of building sped up into three and a half minutes doesn't tell you how to do it, but at the same time, it shows you that it's not rocket science. In, you
3: get an overview of the process. Exactly. In I, I
1: build yeah. the torsion box, I do the clamp up, you see every step of the process, right? And there's right. nothing there that's that tricky.
3: Yeah. Yeah. I I think it not only energizes, but there's still a lot of visual information. It peels back the it's like peeking behind the curtain. It's like you said, it's like the fly on the wall. Yeah. And there you, you get to see, you know, it's well, geez, he's in a one car garage. He, yeah. You know, he's <laughs> he's just I, cutting stuff on the table saw and putting it together. It's like what I do. I, you know. I did think that. I mean, you must walk sideways. In
0: that, <laughs> oh god, I've been open. in that shop. I'm feeling,
1: I'm feeling right now like the shop is huge because the stupid bench out of it. But from like early September till early <clears> November, <throat> I was working on this ten foot two inch long window seat in my garage that is nine foot eight wide and twenty two foot long, and that felt small. Now I, I feel like I have all the space in the world because it's out of the shop.
3: How how big Did is you your the,
1: shop, Deami? It's uh, it's, it's nine foot ten by twenty two. It's it's a one car garage.
3: Oh, okay. Cuz my first shop was a 12 by 25. Okay. So It's just a little bit bigger than mine. Yeah. Yeah. So I I feel your pain. Yeah. <laughs>
2: Here I was thinking my two car garage in Florida was small.
3: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm sorry Tom, but when
1: you tell me that you don't have room for a joiner,
2: <laughs> yes, yeah, it's you do <laughs> It's 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 22 by 26 and you know,
0: it's it's
3: Huge, and, and I
2: still and I I still couldn't put a joiner in his damn.
0: And <laughs> my little corner in the basement is twelve by thirteen. You guys, wow! wow. I'll make it sick. <laughs> How is the
1: rest of the basement, Sean? Because I think uh, that might have to become your <clears throat> your basement rather than your corner of the basement.
0: Uh, the, you know, it's a it's a full basement on a thousand square foot house, so okay. it's technically a thousand square foot down here, but. There's, like, like, where I am right now is technically my kid's area where the TV and PlayStation is, and the couch, which is literally, oh, I can reach back and grab my chisel. It's right here. Uh, and, uh, uh, you know, and laundry and all that other jazz. You yeah, know, it's, it's a small house. It's a small house, small garage, or, you know, small basement, and the garage is a mess. So, not going but out there. Do you there. have a garage? Yeah, it's, it's attached without access. I've got to go outside to go inside it. Mine's the same looks- way. Yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah yours is. Yeah. You, but you took that door out. Yeah, I,
2: I, I actually removed the door, but I yeah. And remember, it's remember, it's where it's cold.
0: Right. Well yeah. We're both about So
2: it. unless unless Sean, unless you insulated your garage. Oh yeah. Yeah, you're not working in there in the winter. So no.
0: So insulate like no. the garage.
1: <laughs> i don't know i'm sorry I, I you gave me off on a tangent but i do not understand these people who are like oh well, i can't work in the shop because it's 45 degrees at time." oh no, no i don't know oh, man damn garage oh yeah like,
0: and that's my my dad has the big shop that's a 24 by 48 you know it is a garage but it looks like a barn but that's got sub floor heated concrete you know and okay and, norm yeah,
3: that's oh, that right no oh, it is it's totally you, in, yeah. you know here's the thing i i you know i'm in montana and I can't, I've been working as a contractor since 97 and every winter I'm working on somebody's house and I'm, I have two shops. I have my shop shop with my big tools and then I have my mobile shop all packed up in my van. Mm-hmm. And you know, when I work on site, I have to pull all that stuff out, set up and work outside, even if it's minus five, Gosh. you know? So if it, you know, a lot of times during the winter it's, it's, it's commonly 10 degrees, easily and, todd and but that's right that's what todd you do clippinger. that's I'm what you Aveda. do
2: you're todd clippinger <laughs> right. you, you know, it, it goes without saying
3: so you know the the only thing you can't do is put on paint or finish but everything else you can you can pull all your tools out and just work outside <laughs> and but
2: like i said you're todd clippinger nothing affects <laughs> you you're probably standing outside a pair of shorts and a t-shirt while you're doing
3: <laughs> <that>. <laughs> Yep. so the worst the worst i've worked in is minus 10
2: yeah, and, and I bet you you probably even went for the, sle- the sleeveless t shirt at that point too.
0: <laughs> that was the rule when we when I was framing houses was if negative ten was they cut off. Oh, really? But up until then, yeah, we'd we'd yep. work you know as long as it wasn't terrible snow or anything, we'd be out there until the wind chill or the actual temperature was that cold.
3: Yeah, wow. So I've definitely
0: I've run a snowblower on a on a freshly you know sheathed first floor of a house.
3: Right. Yeah. How many off times the last night? Exactly. Snow. Yep. <laughs> exactly. How many times have I had to move snow off the job site just to work oh yeah i feel you like that's
1: florida week, we cut it at 20 degrees yeah. <laughs> florida.
0: just yeah, white florida. sand there uh, yes.
2: uh-huh uh-huh not in florida just want to <laughs> <say that. laughs>
1: are you suggesting
2: we all get weak like you tom yes you all have to become weak like we, me yes
3: you know i did used to live down there so <laughs> you see what's the. i know i know you? what it was like yeah
2: when you squish around in your boots. Oh, yeah.
3: <laughs> That's the fun
2: part. <clears throat> okay. Well, Tom, right. so we have you. And we know that you're willing to work in your in your shorts <clears> and your sleeveless t-shirt at minus 10. <laughs> tell us about the American Craftsman Workshop. What, what's going on over there these days?
3: Big changes, man. Big changes. Tell um, us. Tell us. Tell us. Yeah. Well, you know, I read your post and I was just like, there's another one. There goes another one. The problem we run into is time, and you know we we all only have twenty four hours a day, and we all only have so many days a week. We have jobs or businesses and family, and trying to split all that time up, you know plus plus do some woodworking uh for fun and and sleep. so <clears throat> anyways. Yeah, well, I could tell you, I could tell you what it's not. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> because because of the way that I work. But uh, here's what happened. You know, I started sharing back in like 2007, right after I got my MacBook. In fact, the one that I'm on right now. Uh, <laughs> um, you know, I started sharing like at Lumberjocks. A couple years later, just about almost two years later, I posted my first video, and I've really been helping people a lot since 2007 since I got online. And um, even though you don't see me so active lately in the last few years on the community so much, I do help a lot of guys, especially small pro. A lot a lot of guys that are breaking into the business. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm always helping people. And I just love it. And I've had guys come through the shop, just a few guys. And uh, one thing that I have always enjoyed was – was teaching. And, and the guys have even said, they're like, man, you ought to be teaching. You ought to be running, having given classes and, and what have you. And, and, you know, I've actually run the numbers and all that. And, uh, I'm good friends with Andy Chidwick and he's got a okay. woodworking working school oh, and, yeah. you know, and I've even gone out when, uh, he has the, uh, the high school kids come out for the uh-huh. summer and they do a class. I have gone out for that. That's and, cool. um, uh, so I really enjoy that but I'm like, you know, the numbers really aren't there. I can't, I can only hold so many people and for me to make the investment, you know, to, to expand the shop, to take more people in. I mean, there there's, there's a huge amount of money involved and, uh, in I'm just like
1: setting up to do classes.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And I'm just like, you know, the best way that I can reach people is to stay online. It has the lowest overhead and in an investment and I can affect the most people. And, um, I have been trying for the last couple of years actually to, you know, my plan was I'll work as a contractor and in my spare time, <laughs> foolishly. Yeah. Oh please laugh. Please laugh to show how ridiculous that thought was.
2: And in my um, spare time, I have nothing else. <laughs> <yeah. to do.
3: laughs> right. So I'm meeting all these deadlines and I'm working like 70, 75 hours a week. You know, I'm like, yeah, in my spare time, I'll develop, uh, I'll develop plans and stuff and I'll help woodworkers and, you know, make videos well, it wasn't happening, and, uh, and a few weeks ago, middle of November, I woke up on my 50th birthday, and uh, 50 is kind of a benchmark in life, and you sort of examine where you're at, and I realized it was not reaching my goals, and I really did need to come up with an exit plan with what I'm doing because my body's breaking down pretty pretty badly,
1: hmm. And let, um, let me stop you there for just a second. Yeah. I yeah. I know a couple of years ago, maybe it wasn't a couple of, maybe it was only a year ago. You kind of tried to transition. I, I think you did. Maybe you only tried away from like renovation into more furniture and m- more stuff you can make in your shop rather than. Working oh, yeah. Yeah. Houses. Yeah. Did you know,
3: did you means, make that transition? Yes, I did. OK, that's what's funny is I was like, OK, I'm going to get better control of my schedule. And I was actually having some health issues due to some of the exposure that I was having in remodel. Mm-hmm. And, and so I'm like, I'm working from the shop and actually that move just happened back in February. So I did my oh, last that's... kitchen, my last kitchen remodel in February. And in fact, I had got sick off that job. Uh, I, w- I kept getting pneumonia and there are certain Dude. things I'm, I'm getting exposed to during remodel. And I was getting pneumonia like twice a year and you know, it's, it's, it's lung infection and turns out there's some things that are very specific that to remodel in remodel that I'm getting exposed to that causes that. That's so, mold, yeah. so right mold and dead rats and all the mice feces and all that stuff back in, you know, in, under the cabinets and stuff. So it's the biologic material that I have a real problem with. And, <clears throat> and so I'm like, that's it. You know, the doctor had a real come to Jesus meeting with me and said, you got to figure out something else. And then she said, you know, this is killing you and you're already shortening your life and you've lost lung capacity. You need to think about what you're doing. And, um, I'm like, well, I'm going to quit remodel. So I did and things picked up really well. And I bought new equipment this summer and I started thinking about expanding the shop so I could take on more stuff. And then I just realized, I'm like, you know, I'm still tearing my body down. My joints, my joints are killing me. And, Mm -hmm. and, and I'm like, you know, it's very physical work still. And, and, uh, you know, the thing is I've been I keep I've been setting up infrastructure to to create video, you know, and and I'm like, I love that. And I that was my plan was to create something that woodworkers could purchase that I could transition out of. You know, I could make that my business, writing articles, you know, there'd be free content, there'd be paid stuff. I might be writing some articles for magazines. I'd be having my own stuff people could purchase and, you know, that I would generate I would turn my business that way. Well, sure. the whole concept of of transitioning out gently is not not happening. And and uh I just woke up on my birthday and that was a point where I just said I'm done with it. And I literally if I'd had a job I would have just called in and said I'm not coming in. Being a contractor and having contracts that I'm a, you know bound to, mm-hmm. I had to finish those up. So sure. that was middle of November and I'm finishing up my you know I'm working on finishing up my last projects now. So that's, I'm literally stopping. The cash flow will stop immediately. It is absolute risk. And uh, we'll see what we can make this bird fly.
2: <laughs> so, so now we're, kicked, we're <clears throat> kicking this out of the nest. And yeah. what are we kicking to? Kicking to these shop classes. Talk <clears throat> to yes. us about those.
3: Yeah. So I got, uh, I got the domain American, shop, American Craftsman Shop com, And because my website is American Craftsman Workshop. And, you know, that kind of just came out naturally because I went by Todd Clippinger, American Craftsman, as my business. And so when I started sharing online, it just naturally turned into the American Craftsman Workshop. So to give to do the classes, I'm just going to call it, you know, the American Craftsman Shop Class. and um, And and it was, in fact, on that day I had looked. I just searched online to see what sort of platforms there were. And I bought into, uh, there's a platform called teachable and one called Kajabi, which is in beta. And you can't, you can't get into it right now because it's closed. They'll be launching in 2016. But anyways, what it does, it's a platform. I have a square. I have Squarespace as my website platform. Mm -hmm. And I know a lot of people are on WordPress and there's a lot of nice plugins and stuff, but sure. um, Um, this is a self-contained platform. They take the, the shopping carts there, the checkout and all that stuff. It's all self-contained. You can even have a blog on it and, um, um, you can, anybody can make a class and, and break it down into lessons, uh, give tests and quizzes, upload PDFs and digital SketchUp files or CAD files. And anybody can, can create a a school or, or classes. And that's, that's what I'm going to do. And uh, the cool thing about it is, you, you know, when you do this, it's your school. You get the majority of the money as opposed to if I was doing classes, you know, over the years, I've had so many places contact me and want me to do classes and write articles. The one thing that did confirm was I, I'm commercially viable mm-hmm. sure. and, you know, well, and your stuff,
2: it's incredible. right. Well, right. thank
3: you. Thank you. Yeah, and that, I think that's the thing, too, is I feel very comfortable. I'd been wanting to do this earlier, but the fact is I'm like, you know what? I'm so freaking prime. I'm so ripe. Everything is so ready. The platforms that are out there now, the, you know, my my. I got a solid portfolio. I have great experience, real-world experience making my living from the shop, and it's like, you know, I will give free content, but there's not going to be anything wrong with selling some stuff to support myself to do this. Nope. The fact is... There's not enough time to 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 work as a contractor and do this on the side. So I'm just going to tackle it. I'm going to take it head on, and I'm gonna I'm going to basically, you know, my paying clients are my priority. So instead of locally having homeowners and businesses be my paying clients, I'm going to give woodworkers the opportunity to be my paying clients, and they're going to the the ones that support me. You know, will have my attention first. And, and, you know, everything after that. Because that's what I need to focus on is survivability first.
1: <laughs> so, sure. When you, it, it sounds like you've built the infrastructure now. You're yeah. finishing your old contracting work. And then as yes. soon as you finish that out, you're going to start in creating the marketable content. Is that is that the, the order of things are going in? Absolutely. Okay, Absolutely. so as you start to create the, the classes, um, do you have a sense? I, I'm sure that once you get into the flow, it's going to kind of, you'll learn from experience and yeah, say that, oh, well, you know, I was thinking to go this way, but I'm actually going the other way or, you know, how, as it always turns out, but at least initially, do you plan to make it skills-based project-based you'll, you'll, you know, a particular class will be like, here's how to build this, you know, this shaker bench. And it'll be up there forever and people, if they want to build a bench, they can take that class or it'll be more of a semester model. Or do you have a sense for what the, the class setup will be?
3: Well, yeah, I, I do have a variety of things in mind. And I think um, I will let you know uh, for you guys. It's funny you bring up the shaker bench because that is going to be the first project. I have, I have given out hand drawings, my, my personal notes and hand drawings for that project. I've sold so many of those things over the years. They are a huge favorite and, and they, they are a great beginner project. And, um, that is going to be the first one that I put out. And, um, I think what, you know, I was just thinking about it today that probably what I will do on that one is just to show what a great piece it is. You know, it's, if you look at my website and you go to my gallery, you'll see the shaker benches and they're beautiful. And, and I, you know, one time, uh, for, uh, for a fundraiser, my shaker bench beat out Elton John tickets for four <laughs> and dinner for four wow. at, at a fundraiser. Yeah.
1: I remember yeah. when you built that and I'm blanking Brian, Brian Havens. Brian
0: Havens, Havens. in well, fact, yeah. it was that
3: year. Right. In fact, it was that year. He yeah, flew so up to that, help you make it. Yes, he did. And that's how we became good friends. So so uh, um the shaker bench is hugely popular it's a gorgeous piece i've i've sent them out to new york uh upstate new york and to ohio where i work people buy them and people around here and um they're they're a gorgeous piece and i want to show how great your work can turn out with just i think um basic tools and i'm not talking about taking it down to the primal you know hand tools I really believe in using, um, miter saws and table saws. But I think, you know, what I might do is just break out the, um, cause like I said, I have two shops. I have my big heavy stuff here in the shop. And then I have my mobile, my mobile shop, which is all packed up in my van. And I'm thinking of breaking that stuff out and working off my job site saw. And you know stuff like that people, things that the type of tools that people a lot of the small shops are working out of are and you I just suggesting
1: want, that most small shops don't have a dual drum sander. <laughs> well,
3: <laughs> I am, and i would I would put a blanket over it <laughs> for the duration of the project. I love the drum sander because <laughs> it works great <laughs> but yeah, and uh, you know, and I got the big 20 inch planer, well, the thing is I still have I still have my dewalt. Um, lunchbox planner that I bought back in '98. It still works great. I still take it to the job site and mill stuff and make things on site. Um, You know, and I got my jobs, my Dewalt table saw. You know, and and uh, and and all that stuff. Anyways, um, I I think that's the one that I'm going to launch with. I have a lot of ideas for the other projects, and I could see it being both a mix of project based, you know, a lot of projects, and then also uh, skills. You know, some classes that just you know, are are based on skills alone. So focus on that. So what,
1: what you might want to do is, I don't know what the pricing structure is going to be. And we don't need to get into that now. I'm sure it'll sort itself out. But yeah, you know, for, for X, you get the whole project. And for an eighth of X, a quarter of an X. Well, on the project, we used a lot of hand planing, And here's the excerpt on hand planing, So you can learn how to hand plane or, you know, whatever the particular skill is. I don't yeah. see why you can't double dip for content.
3: Right, right. Well, that's a good idea. I hadn't even thought about that.
2: <laughs> Let's Who see. Uh, if Who you guys, want the first I'll half it. of the
3: project, it'll cost this much. If you want yeah. the second half of the project, it'll cost yeah. that much. <laughs> if I pay for ninety,
2: if I pay for ninety five percent of the project, are you going to leave me hanging?
3: <laughs> yeah, but um, it it really that is a sweet project, and I think it's it's the one to kick off with, and uh, I think it'll be a perennial favorite as well. Mm. But you know, I. You know, I got a really strong portfolio, and I'm a juried artist. And and I think what's amazing is the the real message I kind of want to get out there is I want to share with guys because I want to show them. You know, I mean, I was right where all the woodworkers are, and I was I was so amazed. And I'm self taught, and I just grab little bits of key information here and there. And I just, I just skyrocketed with my skills because I did it every day. And the thing is a lot of that stuff, you're, you're, you know, you got to just grab onto the principles and apply key principles to various projects. Even though the project changes, the principles remain the same. And, and I, I really would like to basically offer the opportunity for people to buy these projects and for me to, to mentor them through them. And you know, Nobody would say this online. Nobody will ever say this. And I've told this to guys that I've personally helped. I want you to hit the point where you don't need me anymore. And Mm. basically, I want people to grow to the point that they launch on their own. And, you know, Brian Havens is a great example of that. Blake Weber, he's out in California. And he's the same way. He's ended up showing and selling his stuff in galleries. And you know what? These people had to drive. And they they had the initiative they were seeking information and they were getting those key Mm. pieces they needed that key information and help and when i gave it to them they took what they took it and they ran with it and um and they're my favorite woodworkers for that you know and um you know brian havens actually he puts out really good videos on turning he's real technical he's really good so if you look on youtube brian havens he he does excellent turning videos but I, um, I watched one today. He was talking about some offset Christmas ornament thing he did. Yeah, yeah, he's really good with all that stuff. He's very technical, you know. Mm-hmm. And his videos are long form. They're like watching a half hour TV show. Right. So they're they're not the four minutes skim the information and and be done with it. He gives you the why of how things work. So, but I think that's the thing. You know, certainly um, YouTube videos are great. I love doing them. I, I I enjoy watching them. I haven't had the time to do that so much in the last this last year. And I'm just starting to dive back into it. You can
1: watch YouTube videos. (laughs) We can only make
3: them. (laughs) So, so, but you know, there is, there is very much a brevity. That's all that's accepted on YouTube, you know, and, and I, I definitely want to go into the long form on, on my video content. I I I, want you to, I want, I want to mentor people. And, you know, because when I got guys here in the shop, like the, the information just spills out of me. I mean, like on the simplest of things and and people just don't realize how much there is these little things to think about, you know, while you're working and they're all the keys to success.
2: I mm. love it. So yeah. Speaking about keys to success, we understand you have a particular method of spray finishing.
1: Yeah. yeah. Let me, <laughs> let me elaborate on that for a second, Tom, because I threw <laughs> that in the notes. Um, last week we talked with Sam Hammery of. Oh, I yes. I got that. Yeah, yeah, and uh, it was very. I think it was very insightful how he kind of broke down and um, made spray finishing understandable. But yeah. if I remember from talking to you about this years ago, yeah, you keep pre-catalyzed lacquer in your gun all the time and never break it down and clean it. Is nope, that never? So explain. He was talking about the ease of cleaning and just generally how to use the gun, but yes. you have a very specific system you use to minimize that even more. So, how yep. do you set up your spray system?
3: Well, that you know, um he he gave a great talk and a lot of his stuff was very much his even his formulas on on how he treats his uh like latex paint and stuff is exactly the way I do mine. Um although I will say I did buy the 6 stage HBLP. <laughs> and I love because, it. Because,
2: you know, you're Todd Clippinger. <laughs> yeah.
3: Yes, that's right. Everything's bigger in Montana. <laughs> that's right. Big sky so, country. So, so um, here's the thing, though. I use a pressure pot. And a pressure pot's kind of unique in that it, it holds either like a quart or two quarts or, or mine holds two and a half gallons of, co- of product. And once that system, it, you know, the product doesn't dry out in the canister. And uh, you can even – you leave the fluid in the hoses, and, of course, the system is sealed right up to the needle, right up to the point of exiting the gun, right? So so the fluid never dries inside there, and it's pre-cat, and I use mine at a fast enough rate that it, it doesn't – I don't lose very much. Well, uh, let me and, ask you about
1: that because we use it's, – it's different, but we <clears> use – um there are more pumps than sprayers, but we use right. pumps – to apply adhesives, uh, you know, doing the commercial roofing we use, we use glues to okay, stick down yeah, some of the membranes right, right. and our systems are, they're, they're two part urethane mixes. So, okay, yeah. um, we keep the systems charged up till you can go like uh, six weeks or so. And then you have to un- uncharge them. We keep the systems charged charged, but we have to keep the actual head of the gun where the two components mix we fill that with grease every time okay. it has some fillers so that it's not mixing with the with the lacquer, it's a one part, so you're not yes. so much worrying about that chemical reaction. but even in the needle and the tip of the gun, you don't get it drying out
3: and clogging never never ever i've been I've been running this pressure pot for you know over twelve years. man, I'm heading like into fourteen years with this thing, and the only th- today I bought a fresh gallon of of uh pre-cat lacquer. Mm-hmm. And the the pre cat lacquer that's in the pot is a couple months old, and um, I'm almost done with it. And I will completely run it out, and I will take it and put it in like a quart container to isolate it even smaller, so the dip tube can pick it up. Mm-hmm. And I will I will completely finish off that that batch before I put in the new batch, because I don't want the old stuff, you know, starting to catalyze on me inside the new stuff. I don't want to mix yeah. it. Right, right. So, but yeah, what I did was, you know, what happened was, to make money, I realized I need to cut down my finish time. Well, part of that finish time is cleaning up your equipment, so I can I can pull my pressure pot out. I'll pull the um the cap off the gun, put the rubber tip of my blower nozzle on the end of the gun, and I'll back blow it. I'll push all the fluid out back into the pot. I'll boil it in there uh, just by pushing air (laughs) into the pot. And and then I'll 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 put the cap back on. I'll open the pot and still stir it to get all the sediment off the bottom, and and then I just charge the line again and start spraying. When I'm done, I coil it up and stick it back in the corner, and I never have to clean it. There's so no cleanup.
1: You're you're not leaving the gun charged. You're blow. You're from the tip of the gun. You're blowing yeah. air backwards through the gun to, to right when, to when empty I first it starts, out?
3: Right when I first start spraying, what I want to do is mix everything that's in the system, and so. Okay. Everything that's in the hose, the 25-foot hose up to the gun, I'm just pushing that fluid back into the tank so you, and you, then mixing it.
1: You put the gun away charged, and then now you're taking yeah. it out the next day, three days later, whatever it is. Yeah, yeah. You're taking all the fluid that was in the hose and the gun. You're blowing it back into the pressure pot, Yeah, mixing the pressure pot, and then recharging the gun. Exactly.
3: Okay. Yeah. And, and and I want to leave the fluid in there because it stays wet and it never dries. If If you get air in the line – and it d- starts drying out inside there, mm-hmm. then, then you've got problems.
1: Right, right, right. Yeah, okay. so yeah. So the, the pressure pot is pressurized by a compressor outside of the HVLP, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay, no, so- I
3: did find it interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, your guest last week made it sound like it was a difficult thing to have a compressor, and it was messy, and it was a hassle. It's not. I just, you know, I blow my compressor down. Two, I go in. I blow it down first thing in the morning. I blow it part way through the day. I blow it later in the afternoon and before I leave the shop. I mean, I, I don't have an automated blowdown system, and I keep thinking, yeah, I'll get one, and I never have.
1: Okay, when you but, say
3: blow down, what do you what do you mean? Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, I blow down the moisture out of the. Uh, oh, okay, of the tank okay, okay, okay. And okay. and out of the line because then I have a filter right out of the tank, yep. and then the hose goes up into the 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 line goes up into the attic, so gravity will bring back. A lot of the, um, you know, if I shut the tank off, uh, the air pressure buildup up in the line will blow back any moisture in the line. And I've never had problems with moisture ever. Okay, but or oil in the system. I've I've kept I maintain, but I I'm exceptional at maintaining my equipment.
1: The um, that <laughs> that's that's interesting. But I want to get back to <laughs> the HVLP. Yeah, because um, it's all about me, frankly. And I have an HPLP. Yeah. I'm not spraying with a compressor. <laughs> yeah. Um. Let's assume that well, I don't well, have, he, I don't have a he, pressure pot. I have right. a two stage HVLP.
3: Is oh, there a sorry. way to
1: leave that? <laughs> <laughs> is there a way to leave that charged? Or <laughs> since I'm running no. it out of the gun, I'm gonna have to be cleaning it the whole time.
3: Right. So my 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 HVLP, I'll leave stuff in there overnight, but I don't leave stuff in there. I don't leave product in it long term ever. And um Basically, the system is closed. You got the lid on and, you know, you'll have product up in the tube and in within the gun. And you're okay with that, you know, uh, the, as far as I, I leave it a day or two if I'm using for continuous use. But um, but with the, the pressure pot, I mean, I've had fluid in there for years on end, nonstop. And uh, like I said, I'll run product out before I introduce the new gallon. But I mean, that's... Since I've had it, I've owned it. That that pressure pot has had fluid product in there for years on end. So, um, gotcha. you know, and he's, he's right too. You know, the more you clean out your HVLP, it, it only takes – it takes me about 15 or 20 minutes. You know, my stuff looks like brand new, and I use it all the time. Um, so I, I do a pretty exceptional job. It's a military thing. It kind of ingrains me. So if you take care of your equipment, it takes care of you. But, uh, you know, I think a lot of that stuff, you know, people just don't understand too, is, is how easy that, that stuff is. Um, you know, one of the biggest things though, I got to tell you on the, on the HVLPs, the more expensive systems. Probably one of the big, one of the big differences like between your system and mine. It's not, it's not necessarily the fact that I've got more stages and it's more powerful unit. The more expensive units have a better hose. When the hose comes off of the, um, the hose acts as a heat sink. Okay. So by, by the time the air gets to the gun, I'm blowing room temperature air again. So, so I don't, you know, when you're the cheaper units, Blow a lot of hot air and they mess with the finishes, but my, com- but the good ones, the hose has this heavy section, like six feet long at the, at the beginning of the hose, right off the uh, turbine unit, mm-hmm. and it mm-hmm. absorbs the heat out of the air. By the time the, the air gets to the gun, you know, with 30 feet in between there total, um, I'm blowing room temperature air again. And the only time that it won't work effectively is if that hose is laying out in the sun and it grabs the, the, the you know, it heats up from the sun.
1: Right, All right,
3: okay. So when you extract the heat out of the, the, the air, you eliminate a lot of the problems that are inherent of the HVLP systems. Okay. Which is the hot air.
1: You see, that's Ooh. not a problem I've ever had. I've actually – well, I have a two-stage unit. It's sitting in a box in my attic. Yeah. Um, but the only experience I've ever had with HVLP is with my dad's and he – now – his system he bought in probably 98 or 99 so it's old <coughs> at the time it was a top of the line fuji so three oh, yeah. i think it's a four stage four um,
3: fuji makes nice units
1: yeah but he sprayed his his kitchen is all he we were very good friends with a carpenter who I need to bring on the show one time uh, Kieran trainer he's mm. a classic scottish trained carpenter he was an actual apprentice oh. for years really nice guy but um, my dad's entire kitchen is, is handmade, um, all frame and panel construction and the whole thing was sprayed when it was finished. Yeah. Um, and I did a, a, a bit, little bit of that spraying and I've monkeyed with it, it with the same spraying and they were spraying polyurethane cause it was a kitchen, not cause it was a, you know, a, a, an actual product and sure. the thinning of the polyurethane and the cleaning of the guns afterwards, it was a pain in the ass. um so it kind of turned me off spraying but from what i understand talking to sam and now talking to you is that you use the right finish maintain the guns properly there's an efficiency to be gained not a whole lot more work to to prep it and to clean it
3: right right yeah yeah my that's the thing is it, it you become very efficient at it and because i use mine a lot and i spray everything i spray latex i spray i spray shellac I spray waterborne finishes, not very often though, uh, unless they're specked out.
1: Okay, um, see, I, th-
3: I thought you were only spraying lacquer because it lets you need yeah, the sy- system set up. Ninety percent of the time, I'm spraying lacquer, and I spray a lot of pigmented lacquer too. It's pigmented lacquer, so awesome um, because it sprays. The, it's exactly the same thing except it's got pigment in it, and I mean nothing looks like it. It looks, it's like an automotive finish, and mm. um, uh, but but um, you know because I spray a lot you get adept at number one, cleaning out the equipment and also understanding how each one of the things handle. So mm. you become very efficient at it. You know, that's the secret to woodworking is you got to do it. Yeah, and the secret yeah. To everything. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So it's, you know, it's, it's just that repetition instills in you. Exactly. You become very efficient at what you do. You minimize your actions because you go, you do exactly the actions that are required to, to get the job done and no more than it's what's needed. And, um, so yeah, HVLPs are great. You know, and I gotta tell you, I bought a six stage because I do spray a lot of uh latex. Um, I spray a lot of the higher end paints. They're like eighty bucks a gallon. Yep. And they they perform they perform so well. You know, a lot of my success in finishing comes because I don't buy cheap finish. I buy expensive mm-hmm. stuff because expensive stuff is made, designed to make you money, and it it has a lot of performance. Enhanced value in the way that it behaves, so it saves you a lot of struggle and it it reduces my risk as a business. So, um you know, um the more expensive finishes actually will spray better than the cheaper finishes. They'll they'll perform better for you.
2: End up end up saving you money in the long term. They the do term. absolutely. Todd, Todd, you know what time it is now? Uh oh, the it's five questions.
3: The f- it's time for the five <laughs> questions. How'd you guess? Hey, I. <laughs> I didn't think you would do that or I would have prepared for this. Uh, no, we're, gonna,
2: we're, gonna, we're just going to drop it on you right now, Todd. And it starts off with the basic. How'd you get into woodworking?
3: Uh, because I, I'm a remodeling contractor and actually woodworking came later. If um, it's through remodel, I started realizing I, – I was just kind of fascinated w- with uh, the built-ins and the fine woodwork and stuff like that. And then I found out there was – a whole community of people doing really fine built-in and freestanding furniture stuff. And that, that's the way, that's where I grab, what I gravitated to.
2: All right. Oh, All right, that's, that's profound.
0: Sean, you're up. So what is your favorite tool?
3: Oh, my favorite tool right now in, in has been, you know, for a long time is the card scraper. I freaking love a card scraper. I can peel off fine shavings. And you know, the way I sharpen my card scraper, I don't even turn the burr. I just sharpen it on the file. And man, I, I can use a card scraper like nobody's business. I love the card scraper. It's amazing
0: how well it works. You have put out that video, so, so, I don't know how many so, years ago, about your sharpening technique for that. It's awesome.
3: I will be <laughs> reshooting that in high def because you know that was my very first video in standard def. <laughs> uh uh-huh. wow.
2: So so yeah. Todd, let me get this. Do, do you like the card scraper? I'm just curious. I love
3: no, no, no. Oh. I love the card okay. scraper.
2: Okay, good. Just want to <laughs> double check on that one. Yummy.
3: <laughs> All right, Todd, who has influenced you the most in your woodworking? You know, most of my influences actually are people that nobody would really know because they're they're the local craftsmen that were very good to me. And they were such an influence on me, not only in my work, but after I really started growing in my knowledge to start giving back. And, and there was a point, in fact, I, I went to one of the guys and I said, hey, I just want you to know, I said, uh, how much I've been sharing. And I said, you got you to figure. I said, um, this is part of your legacy. All these people that I've helped and that are going on and doing stuff, I said, that's because you helped me. And it was funny because he, he was kind of moved by it. It was, it was kind of huge. So it's, it's a couple local guys that, that um, were a big influence. And, and actually, here's what really came full circle, too. A, few, a couple years ago, I, I got to show – I was invited to show at the um, uh, Fine Woodworking Exhibition at, at one of the regional museums. And, and um, they said uh, – I was one of the first people invited – and they said, "Is there anybody you su- could suggest and i I gave out like five names, and I showed with all those guys, and they would have all got in on their own merit anyways, but um I mentioned them, they got in, and I was standing shoulder to shoulder with all these guys that I used as benchmarks and and um uh for you know what my work should be and uh those were the guys that really influenced me and uh so um, it's, it, you know, really it's about me passing it on now. I mean, that's really where all this is going. Mm-hmm.
2: Nice. What's been your biggest stumbling block and how have you overcome it?
3: Uh I had to learn to let go, <laughs> man. but <laughs> I was so anal retentive about stuff. My, my wife, my wife came in the shop one day and she saw, I was working on a project and I hadn't made any progress. And I was, I was really hung up on the details. And, um, uh, she came in and she goes, she goes, she pursed her lips and she goes, you know what that is? And I said, no. And she said, it's the anal sucking sound. She said, you got to let go. She said, it looks great. Wow. That's solid. <laughs> she said, I can hear it in the house. So, so I had to learn to, you know, woodworking, I really learned to just kind of you can, you can generate exceptionally good work and, and you know, it does come a lot easier because, because I'm more efficient and I'm very, and I'm very skilled. So over time, you know, those things have overcome getting hung up on that, but I, I've learned to let go.
1: Let me stop it for a second there, Todd, because I know you pretty well, I think. And (laughs) you know, when you, when you talk about how skilled you are, it can come off as bravado, but I think that you certainly have the skills to, to back it up so just for the people who are listening two seconds talk about how long it took you to become so skilled and all the work that went into it
3: um man that's that's kind of hard because it's just been continued growth and you know what's really cool actually too is i'm not i haven't reached the end i mean there's so much more to learn and um uh but at what i do i am pretty skilled because i do it every day and actually too there's you know, there's there's this, this false thought that there's no skill in using power tools. Well, I work around a lot of craftsmen that do great work on high end homes, and we all do work with power tools. And mm-hmm. I mean, a perfect example. Um, you know, people talk about coping, you know, and getting the coping saw and like coping things to fit together, fine trim. Mm-hmm. You know how you know how carpenter You know how we do it. The chicks and I'm talking. I'm t- no. No, a grinder. Oh, okay. we oh. we cope. We cope with a grinder, <laughs> and you know what? The copes fit perfectly. The thing is, whether it's using a skill saw or or you know um, the grinder for coping or whatever, the thing is, it all t- it really takes skill because number one, these machines can take your fingers off really fast, and you can damage the product really fast too. So, um, you know, the thing is. I, I developed very quickly with my fine woodworking skills but I had been building my hand, my skills with power tools you know for years before that as a as a carpenter. So so I transitioned into that very quickly um, really. And I was exposing myself to a lot because in working on houses I'm exposed to a lot of ideas and designs and and what looks good and what doesn't. So So could I could I sum this up by
1: saying that exposure, yeah, passion and yes. Practice, practice, practice,
3: practice. You Least. nailed it, brother. <laughs> okay. You did. Just, just making it. sure. Yeah. Yeah. So you know it's really important to visually stimulate yourself with Oh, that sounded horrible. Anyways. <laughs> hey, hey, hey. Ooh,
0: hey. <laughs>
3: <laughs> Wrong path. Anyways, uh to to um I really recommend people go to parade at homes and go to um art galleries and and just see as much as they can there you can you can get a lot of stuff inspiration online but the fact is when you're seeing things in person in actual space in um you know actual form you will you will you will grow faster i think than just seeing stuff online um so i encourage people to get out my wife and i are very good about taking you know uh getting out and spending time together and going to the galleries and we enjoy that we know a lot of artists too mm-hmm. So those things really help as well.
1: It's 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 wonderful. I was lucky enough. I'm I'm going on a tangent here, and I'm sorry, Tom. We're going on. Um, <laughs> I got to meet Wendell Castle last week. Oh yes, um, that's and right. It was both amazing and unexpected. Yeah, I, disappointing is the wrong word, but I was. I'm so enthusiastic about this damn woodworking community that I think that everyone who works in wood is a woodworker, but he blatantly said he is not a woodworker. Now, not in terms that he doesn't know what he's doing with wood, but he sees himself as an artist and as a sculptor, not as a woodworker and a furniture maker. And it took me a while to come to terms with the different mindset. And ultimately one is no more valid than the other. Uh, I just happened to have the woodworker mindset. Um, so anyway, I'm really deriding this, but what I was looking to do was just support your thing that get out and meet other artists. Um, yeah.
3: it really does keep you inspired. I have to give you a really big tip on this. Okay. What you, when you, when you went, would you go see a lecture? Did yeah, you see him at the he, show and there's a lecture? There's,
1: he's got an exhibit at the museum of art and design in Manhattan and, yeah. uh, last, last Thursday, last Tuesday, okay. so, sometime last week. Um, yeah he gave a lecture about the exhibit. So he brought it, he came in for one day to do the lecture.
3: So, so when I was working in Ohio, I, I saw on the paper that he was showing at a gallery in Columbus, Ohio. And the opening was at, you know, like seven or six or something. Mm -hmm. So what I did was I ran to the gallery. I was, I was, you know, about 40 miles away at that time and uh, working in central Ohio. So I I ran down to the gallery early Mm -hmm. and the gallery was open it yes. was just that the opening started at six, but I went in, you know, before five. Well, guess how many people were in there? Half a dozen. Yeah. And they all worked for the gallery in Wendell Castle. So I got to talk to Wendell Castle for, you know, half an hour just with nobody around. Yeah. And, no, that's um, great. Yeah. So, you know, if when when I go to shows like the Western Design Conference or whatever, and I go to the lectures... I go in I go into the lecture halls early because whoever's giving the lecture has to go set up. Well, mm-hmm. guess what? You get to talk to them in private. Mm. So that's,
1: that's actually how I met Tom is by getting to the Woodworking America marketplace at seven o'clock in the morning.
3: Yeah. So I've had some great conversations with that some very funny. talented people. And uh, you know, that's the way I got to meet Sam Maloof, and that's the way I got to meet Gary Knox Bennett, and the way I got to meet Wendell Castle. And, you know, that's like huge. That's huge. And one of the cool things with Wendell Castle was I did not approach him as a woodworker. I approached him as somebody just interested in design and art. And we had a great conversation from that perspective.
1: Yeah, that is his perspective. And it's, again, it's not, it's not quite my perspective, but it's a perfectly good perspective. And he demonstrates why it's a wonderful perspective. Um, but I derided us a little bit, so I'm sorry. Let's get back to your, yeah, fifth, your yeah. fifth question. Oh. How, how has the internet influenced your work?
3: Well, uh the inter- the internet has influenced my work a lot. Um because it does it does it does allow me to do a lot more research when I can't just drive everywhere. But um you know one of the big things one of the big things and nobody nobody ever really mentions this when when you start sharing it really challenges what you think you know. And so by me sharing with other woodworkers, I have grown so much because basically the, what I'm putting out there for information gets put to the test of the fire, and it either it either stands or it falls. And so actually the woodworking community has really helped promote my growth a lot by sharing. And and really I think that's – I'm excited looking forward to that. By sharing more, I will continue to grow even more in a very personal way. So, um, you know, at, at this stage it certainly is – it's been, you know, personal growth through, you know – putting what I think I know (laughs) to the test.
1: (laughs) Absolutely. Well, Todd, thank you very much for coming on and chatting with us. And we wish you the best of luck. And I'm very eager to see what you, uh, what you pull together at American craftsman shop class.com. Um, is there anything else you'd like to say to the audience or let people know where they can follow you and where they'll be able to sign up for these classes?
3: Yeah. Um, you got it. the, the, My platform is americanshopclass.com. That's where my school is, and that will also be linked through my website, americancraftsmanworkshop.com. Now, I did did make the announcement publicly before I had anything out there, and the reason was it was a great motivator to make a public announcement (laughs) and really bear myself. It makes me very vulnerable, and basically the community will hold my feet to the fire because I've tried to do this before, and I never told anybody really And so I backslid. I never, I could never get it going. So, so by putting it out there that I'm doing this, then there's an expectation that I have to meet. So, um, I, I'm, I am actually wrapping my projects up and we'll be headed that way. Well, I'm glad we could help make you you accountable. Well, thanks. Yeah. And I appreciate that. And, you know, um, you can find me, I'm, I post it at, you know, some of the woodworking forums too. So, um, it'll be pretty public, I think.
1: on uh, on on Instagram, which I as far as oh, yeah. where I where I lurk, that's where I see you the most. Um, yeah, are you? You have to forgive me. Are you at American Craftsman Workshop or uh, Todd Kleppinger? Where can people no, find you on Instagram? No, that's the thing.
3: I've changed. I'm changing everything to American Craftsman Workshop because it's a lot easier to remember and spell than my name. So <laughs> like AmericanCraftsmanWorkshop.com, dot American com. Workshop at uh, Instagram. And American Craftsman Shop Class, of course, um, uh, is the website. But, yeah, I am very active on Instagram because it's super easy to post. And people can follow and really get a peek inside my life um, through that. So um, those those are places certainly uh, to follow. And I will be posting more blogs. You know, really, people can kind of watch me either sink or swim on this. <laughs> 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 so... Uh, um, you'll,
2: you'll be swimming. You'll, you'll be you'll be swimming. You'll be soaring. Actually, that's what's going to happen there. Forget well, this. Well,
3: I mean, the one thought that I keep going through my head is, you know, for the last two years, for all the hours, the effort and energy that I have put into my business, and even in this last summer, how it started to grow right away by just going to the shop, what if I'd been able to, con- you know, focus that same energy and time into just producing content? You know where I'd be right now? You know, I'm like be six months ahead of where you are right now. <laughs> yes, that's right. <laughs> so <Exactly>. I, guess, <laughs> I guess we're about to find out. <laughs> yeah, You're about to find out. Come back yeah. in
2: six months and tell yeah. everybody.
3: Yeah. yeah. But, uh, you know, Tom, I have to tell you, you have been I I I was I was amazed just like everybody else to see your post. And, and I got to tell you, you were one of the people that was just always fun to follow. You were a great guy and you bring a lot of energy to the woodworking community. And I've always appreciated that.
2: Well thank you, Todd. That means so, a lot. It really does. Coming from somebody as good as what you do, that 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 means a lot. So thank you so much.
1: All right. So the next uh next episode, that's the word I was looking for. That's it. Um, we're gonna have a chat with Keith Keith Decent, who
2: is I hear a- he's pretty good. He
1: is—he's—he's uh, he, he's all right. Yeah, <laughs>
0: he's <decent. laughs> I'm sure he's never heard that. He's a, a maker
1: in—I'm um, going to say upstate New York, but he would probably say downstate. He—he's in the uh, the Hudson Valley area, and uh, he does a lot with um, recycled and reclaimed stuff. He's right up the alley of—I uh, don't know if anyone's listened to the Recycled Audio Podcast, um, but he does that kind of work. And unfortunately, he was in Brooklyn on Sunday, and I was in Brooklyn on Saturday, and we could not meet. Remember uh, uh, the tween show meets. Exactly. But I, I have been able to stop by uh, and see his wares, and he's a, he's a nice guy, and we're going to have a chat with him uh, in about two weeks. So that will be the next episode. And then um, coming up, Tom, since you're unfortunately not going to be going, I'm going to at least make you talk about the upcoming shows.
2: Yeah. Um, <laughs> you can see Sean and Diami. Um, coming up at the up uh, at the uh, weekend with Wood twenty sixteen, which is going to be taking place May May nineteenth through the twenty second in Des Moines, at the headquarters of Wood Magazine. Um, when you see everybody say, be sure to say hey. Um, mm-hmm. That's a that's a that's one of those events we've actually talked to Chuck Claus a couple of uh, episodes ago. Mm. Who he, he just loved it.
1: Yeah, and I'm, then, I'm looking course, forward to it.
2: Yeah, that should be that should be a good one for you guys. And then Woodworking in America returns to Covington, Kentucky, on September sixteenth through the eighteenth. So, you know, tell, be sure to tell the people at the Keystone, keep the mac and cheese coming.
0: And <laughs> yeah, we're going to miss you, man. Well,
2: you know, just, uh, I'll be, I'm sure I'll be the guy sitting at home, pining away on Skype. So <laughs>
0: yeah, that was me this Funny. year. So I, I Yeah. Take, all that take other that. Stuff. Yep.
2: Yeah. I'll be, I'll be sure to follow along and see all the fun and merriment that goes along with that. Yep. And with that, book,
1: so. I'm going I'm to ask you to do us a favor, Tom. I'm going to ask you to be as awesome as Sean was last year. Cause Sean wasn't able to make it to Kansas Nobody, city.
2: Nobody's, nobody's as awesome as Sean. I'm okay. going
1: to ask you, Tom, every time anyone tweets anything about woodworking America,
2: I will retweet it. <laughs> you need to plus it. I will, I will, <laughs> I will, I will, I will set up my bot right now. So it does it there automatically. Oh, that, 2 wasn't, a. Doesn't that, matter. that was
0: matter. that was tweet deck at work.
2: <laughs> I, will, I will, I will set up the bot to do it immediately. And with Excellent. that, that just about wraps it up for this show, Tom knows last. If you're missing us already, you could have subscribed to the show on iTunes. Just be search, be sure to search for the Modern Woodworkers Association. Once you subscribe, to be sure to never miss another exciting episode. And while you're at iTunes, be, be sure to leave the show a five-star rating. It helps the show's rank so others can more easily find it.
1: There's lots of places you can follow us online, but uh, for the next uh... – the next two weeks or when you hear this, what I think is the much more important thing is go to tom'sworkbench.com, Go to Tom's last post. And in the comments, just thank Tom for all that he has done for the community. And Tom, we're going to miss you.
2: Just, just cut it out, OK? Just come on. Come on.
1: <laughs> now they know where to find me. It's, it's not, now is the time to, to say thanks to
3: Tom. Well, thank
2: you guys. It, it's, it's been, it's been a pleasure eight plus years. And, um, you know, it's, it's, it's been something, it's been a hell of a ride. So, um uh, so, you know, I'll be, I'll be sure to, uh, you know, keep my, you know, keep poking in every so often and see how everybody's doing. And, um, hopefully I'll be able to build something and actually show us some woodworking. <laughs> time.
0: There you go. I'm going to frame my Tom's Workbench shirt yeah
2: i'm glad i'm I, glad to hear
3: that yeah my shop monkey <laughs> shirt's got paint all over it <laughs> oh, oh, i actually God. work in it i actually work in it
2: that's awesome you guys know how to party <laughs> <laughs> and with that guys I, i'm just going to give you one last sign off um until you uh hear from me again and until these uh two crazy guys over here um you know record the next edition of the modern woodworkers Association. We wish you nothing but happy sawdust. Thanks for listening.
1: I'll add this in post, and it'll go out in the podcast. But I just sent you an email, Tom. I'm not in the in the last ten minutes. I've not figured out how to play this on air, so you can hear it on air.
2: So just listen to this message from Mark. Tom, it's your buddy Mark. Just wanted to wish you well on the next leg of your life's adventure. You know, we've known each other since the early two thousands, and I've had the pleasure of seeing your infectious energy penetrate through the community like a spicy bolognese family always comes first so i think everyone will join me in wishing you the best my friend take care
0: gonna miss you
2: yeah that's the rumor
1: i'm gonna miss staying up late on wednesday nights with you tom
0: what
2: am i gonna do with my time maybe i'll go out and woodwork